0: Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast. This show is brought to you by NABPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. And I'm your host, Michaela Isler, NabPAC's Executive Director. Well, it's our final episode of the year and we're finishing up the way we began, with the whole gang back together. Abigail Cave joins us from Wyoming, and Adam Belmar from the Advocacy
1: Content Kitchen in Orange, Virginia. How is everybody doing today? Hey, Michaela. The sun is out, and it's eh, it's a little chilly here in Wyoming, but I'm looking out my window, it's snow on the ground, so it's a good day.
2: And it's a bit messy Kind of icy here in Central Virginia, but I'm good.
0: Well, I'm so glad to hear it. I must say, it's really starting to feel
1: a lot like Christmas. No, does have a way of doing that.
2: It puts a smile on my face. Hey, Abigail, listeners of this podcast know well that you just finished up work for a successful U.S. Senate campaign for Cynthia Lummis in Wyoming. And as Michaela mentioned at the top, that's where we find you today. Is there truth to the rumor that when you get back to D.C., you're taking on a new job?
1: Adam, the rumors are true. It is an exciting but also very bittersweet news. I will be heading to Washington with Senator-elect Cynthia Lemmis to serve as her press secretary come January. Abigail, I just want to say first that we are
0: so proud of you. This is an incredible opportunity for you. The Senator-elect Lemus and her entire team are so lucky to have you as a part of the team. It is certainly our loss. You've done such a a great job here at NABPAC over the last four years and we wouldn't be where we are today without you. I am personally going to miss you tremendously, but I know that we will continue to stay in touch and we have a lot of great things to do together in the future.
1: Absolutely. I can't describe the joy that being a part of NABPAC has brought me over the last four years. I've learned so much. I joke with everybody that when I came on with NABPAC in 2017, I wasn't entirely sure what a pack was, but now I never stopped tweeting about PACs. I never stopped talking about PACs, and Capitol Hill will gain a very passionate PAC proponent. Say that three times fast. Passionate PAC proponents, passionate PAC proponents, passionate PAC proponents.
2: (laughs) Can't stop, won't stop. Abby, (laughs) this is just one more way that the PAC community is making an impact on the Hill. And I I do applaud you because I think that it's a great opportunity to be a press secretary for a United States senator is no small thing at all. And I've worked with so many in my career and And I think if you do the job right, you could be a great, great asset, both to the senator and to the people of Wyoming.
1: Well, thank you both. I appreciate your kind words, but enough of that sappy stuff. I'm going to tell you this one more time, Belmar. Roll that beautiful bean footage.
2: The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. In today's episode, episode is brought to you by Sajic Public Affairs. Sajic Public Affairs is an award-winning consulting firm that provides high-impact communications, fundraising, market research, and political engagement solutions to America's top associations and corporate political organizations. Sajic's philosophy is that results make all the difference and they deliver. At Sajic, innovation and expertise are everything. They know the secret to transforming political organizations into success stories and have a tailored vision and plan just for you. Step into the future of advocacy with Sajic Public Affairs.
0: Thanks so much, Adam, and thanks to our good friends at Sajic Public Affairs. We certainly appreciated their strong leadership as one of our presenting sponsors at the first ever virtual post-election conference. And Trey Richardson has been a great partner to NAP for a very long time. You know, while we were working on preparing for this podcast, I read an article actually published this week by Doug Pinkham, president of the Public Affairs Council. The name should sound familiar as he was a panelist at our NAP post-election conference. But Doug is out with a provocative new piece entitled, Have Those Who Took the No Pack Pledge Been Taken?
2: You have my attention.
0: So I thought we might just take a few minutes right now if, if you both Don't mind to pull out some of the important points from that piece and share them with all of our listeners.
1: I really appreciated Doug's article. I personally have spent a great deal of time cataloging activity around this no path pledge over the past few years. I first started really paying attention to this in the 2018 cycle when a huge amount of especially progressive candidates took this no corporate PAC pledge and it kind of varied. Some candidates were a little more, I'll say fair about it, they were a little more specific about the industry they would take money from and then others swore off PAC money altogether and there was quite an array, a spectrum of those in between. In the 2018 cycle, 52 members of the 116th Congress, mostly Democrats, pledged to reject the money. From corporate packs.
2: Correct, Miss Cave. It was 52 back in 2018. And this year, in the 2020 cycle, 119 members of Congress and candidates took that no PAC pledge, Michaela.
0: That's right, including even President-elect Biden and the other 23 Democratic candidates for president. They all refused corporate PAC donations.
2: The thing about the no PAC pledge, as we have heard both in our conversations here at NAPAC this year with members of Congress and in the post-election conference from people like Paul. Braithwaite, is that there is a lot of difficult ramifications that come from this, Michaela. Many folks come to find out that they have suddenly disenfranchised employees and citizens of their district who suddenly feel as though their voice doesn't count because of where they work. I
0: just think we need to take a step back, too, because this whole no PAC pledge is really based on a false premise. I mean, this came out of N Citizens United, a group that's trying to overturn the Citizens United decision that had nothing to do with corporate PACs. Nothing in Citizens United changed anything about how employee funded PACs operate. And yet, it's a it's a really great soundbite. And at the end of the day, you get an endorsement from N Citizens United. It may even come with a $10,000 contribution from their super PAC, by the way. And so I just think that, unfortunately, there's a lot of, mis- as we've been saying for 31 episodes, there's a lot of misinformation out there about employee-funded PACs, who we are, how we operate. And the fact remains is that we are still the most transparent Form of political giving in the process.
1: Kayla, we've seen time and time again that this is virtue signaling at its finest. Many of these people who say they're not going to take contributions from employee-funded PACs are very happy to take contributions from association PACs. They're very happy to take contributions from leadership PACs. They're very happy to take contributions from other campaign committees, all of which can and usually are funded by employee-funded PACs. So it's just a step removed.
2: Yep, PACs have become the easy target. The rhetoric is hot and the facts don't back it up. But one thing that Doug Pinkham pointed out in his article, Michaela, was that even though activists say they hate employee-funded or corporate PACs and that they would prefer to have public funds utilized to run campaigns, Every time there's a public opinion poll and this goes way back, it just doesn't bear out. In fact, 55% of Americans consider PACs an acceptable way to fund elections. Only 23% Michaela found them unacceptable
0: you know, there's just a real disconnect here on sort of reality versus what some like end Citizens United is putting out there.
1: And the other thing I find so fascinating is that at the current moment in an election cycle, a PAC can only give a candidate $10,000, whereas a married couple can give a candidate $11,200. The power of each dollar that an employee funded PAC, which represents anywhere from a handful of employees to thousands of employees, that power of that dollar continues to decrease. So this argument that this is unfair special interests involving themselves in an election, it just doesn't stand. There's no evidence to back that up.
2: Yeah, I thought that the uh, title of the article, as you said, was provocative. I don't really know that I feel that anyone was taken in any way by making this pledge. Some people have come back on it, which I think honestly is to be applauded because pivoting when you get more information is really the of leadership, As we go ahead in 2021 with the facts about PACs, we've got to continue to find everyone in our community, Michaela, PAC managers who are members of our organization who are fighting the good fight by telling the story about how an employee funded PAC can be beneficial and how you get involved and what those activities amount to for the company. That's our mission.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we need to continue to build on the great work this year and also reaching out to key elected officials and stakeholders, policymakers, staff to really educate them. Because I think once they hear how we operate, the people that we represent, the hardworking Americans, they may not have known that before, but they are getting the facts about PACS now. And that's why our podcast and all of the other work that we're doing to educate elected officials on who we are are so, so important. And that's priority number one for NABPAC in 2021.
1: Not as much this year, but in years past, it's been interesting to see the rhetoric that has been lobbed at, not necessarily NAPAC itself, but at the people we get to represent, the companies and the organizations that are members of NABPAC. And we've had groups come after us, the Zero for Zero campaign, and Citizens United and a couple of other groups that come after our members simply for transparently participating in the political process. And it's our job here at NAVPAC to combat that, to shed light on facts about PACs. It is, it is frustrating sometimes that we put out the facts, we say, say the things, and because the messaging doesn't necessarily always cut our direction, these groups get to win out with their thinly veiled attempts to vilify hardworking Americans who are voluntarily contributing to this process.
2: No doubt, Abigail. And I think that the folks who have been attacking us and PACs in general are sharpening their knives. And I'm a little bit prepared to take on the hard challenges that come in 2021 because it's important that we stand up and say, listen, we are doing it correctly, transparently, low dollar and 100% ethically in every company that is participating and advocating for participation in the in the political process, is doing a good thing. We had more civic participation in the 2020 cycle than this country's seen in over 100 years. And that took a lot of work for a lot of people to get folks to the polls. And I'm proud that PACS can be a part of that.
0: Absolutely. And I think I mentioned this on the show last week and I'll continue to mention it, but PACS really were an early reform that has worked. PACS were authorized by law in the 1970s as a reform. And the purpose was to give citizens of average means, an opportunity to band together, pool their small after-tax and voluntary contributions, and be able to compete with wealthy individual donors. So it's really, at the end of the day, a recognition that America is a nation of interests, which have a desire and constitutional right to participate in the campaign process. And PACs were and remain a way to channel this involvement in a fully disclosed and appropriately limited manner.
2: Amen. And there is no way, place, shape, or how that U.S. corporations are giving directly to candidates on the federal level. That's not what employee-funded PACs are. And Citizen United knows it. They are obfuscating facts. And I think in the end, our community, with the truth and the facts and the FEC and the Congress... On our side, we'll continue to do good work and help people make their voices heard, Michaela. That's where we're going in 2021, folks. You heard it here first on the number one PAC podcast in America.
0: PACs remain a reform with an unblemished record. In 40 years, you haven't really heard much about PACs in the media for some sort of scandal. And I would just say that PACs really should be considered a model for reform and not something to be abolished or further limited.
2: Well, this is it, guys. This is the last time we gather around the podcast fire with Abigail Cave. It was a real pleasure having you as a co-host of this show, helping to forge this new communications medium for our group. And you know what, Abigail, you better stay in touch.
1: Absolutely. I have been honored to be part of the original gang for the number one pack podcast in America some might say the world. Well, we look forward to having you back. Abigail as a guest
0: on our show and just know you're always welcome. Thank you for giving all that you've given to NABPAC. We will miss you. With that, I want to wish everyone a wonderful holiday season. I hope that 2021 brings much happiness and until next year, stay safe, stay engaged and keep moving forward.